Chapter Two of the Mystery of the Caribbean Pearls by Andy Adams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: Seeing Double. The cablegram was short and to the point. May I borrow my favourite nephew for a couple of weeks? Stop. Urgent. It was signed Charles Keene, and had been sent from Wilmstad curatio in the netherlands antilles biff brewster the favourite nephew referred to in the cablegram looked at his parents hopefully well martha what do you think thomas brewster asked biff's mother as the three of them stood in mr brewster's study oh dear i really don't know what to say a frown spread over mrs brewster's pleasant friendly face drawing her arched eyebrows closer together it seems to me that Biff is away from home so much of the time. I know, dear, but you must admit that we have encouraged these trips. I still feel that travel is as important to a boy's education as his formal schooling. Tom Brewster replied to his wife's mild protest. And Uncle Charlie says it will only be for a couple of weeks, Biff put in. My spring vacation starts next week. I wouldn't be missing much school. Only a day or two at the most. Biff looked from his mother's face to his father's. He wanted so much to go. In his mind's eye, he was already seeing the sparkling waters of the Caribbean Sea, dotted with palm-studded islands, long white beaches and coral reefs. The Windward Islands, the Leeward Islands, Martinique, Aruba, Barbados, Guadeloupe, St. Kitts, all these colourful, romantic, exciting names raced through the boy's head. "'How's your Spanish these days, son?' Tom Brewster asked. "'It's okay, Dad. I'm scoring well in it at school. And, of course, I picked up a lot more Spanish when we were in Mexico.' Biff was beginning to feel easier. His father's question was an indication that one half of his parents was considering favourably Uncle Charlie's cabled request. "'How about it, Mum?' Biff pressed the opening his father had given him. "'You know, Uncle Charlie and I always get along swell. We're a good team.' Charles Keene was Mrs. Brewster's brother. "'Charlie's so reckless, though,' Mrs. Brewster continued in a voice registering protest. "'If I remember correctly, you and he barely made it out of China before getting into serious trouble.' Biff had no answer to this statement. It was all too true. He and Uncle Charlie had been flown out of China. They had slipped across the border illegally to Rangoon in Burma and then on to the British Crown Colony of Hong Kong with Chinese red agents breathing down their necks. "'Any idea what your brother is doing in the Caribbean?' Mr. Brewster asked his wife. Biff's mother shook her head. "'Not any more than you have, Tom. Have you heard from your uncle, Biff?' "'Only one letter since we got chased out of China,' the boy replied. "'That came about a month after I got back home. "'All he said was that things were too hot for him to operate in the Orient for a while. "'He is still with the firm of Explorations Unlimited, isn't he?' Mr. Brewster asked. "'Oh, yes. Uncle Charlie said the company was negotiating a contract "'that would have him operating in this hemisphere. "'He didn't say what kind of operation it was, though.' It must be tied in with his wanting you to go to Curacho, son. Looks that way, Dad. What about it, Mum? Biff looked hopefully at his mother. 
She didn't reply for a few moments. Then she said, "'Well, I, I suppose—' Mrs. Brewster never finished her sentence. The youngest member of the Brewster family burst into the study. "'Mum, Dad, it's a cablegram!' Eleven-year-old Ted Brewster shouted, waving an envelope over his head. "'Yes, another one!' Monica, Ted's twin sister, chimed in. The twins were five years younger than Biff. Their ambition was sometime, someday, to travel alone, as they emphatically put it. They listened goggle-eyed to tales of the adventures Biff and his father, or Biff and Uncle Charlie, had shared. On several occasions the twins had gone with their parents and brother to the romantic places where these adventures had taken place. Mrs. Brewster, always present when the twins were voyaging, had taken great care to see that her two youngest were not exposed to the dangers that had accompanied Biff's faraway adventures. Ted and Monica could hardly wait until they were old enough to take part in them themselves. "'It's for you this time, Biff,' Ted said. Excitement shone on his young face. His eyes sparkled. "'I'll wager I can tell you who it's from,' Mr. Brewster said, smiling. "'Uncle Charlie! Uncle Charlie!' Monica pealed like a gay bell. Biff ripped open the envelope. The room became silent. "'It's from Uncle Charlie all right,' Biff said. Then he read, "'Your passage booked Southern Airlines Flight 129 to Miami, Sunday, March 12th. Replane Miami for Curato Caribbean Airways Flight 296. Be seeing you. Love to all. Biff handed the telegram to his father and looked at his mother. I must say my brother takes things pretty much for granted, Mrs. Brewster said, laughing. That's Charlie for you, Tom Brewster said. When he goes into action, he moves fast. He surely does, Dad. Whether it's against Chinese bandits or sending cablegrams, Biff agreed. One cable this morning, a second this afternoon. Well, I guess we'd better be making up our minds, Martha. What do you say? Can we all go? Ted wanted to know. Oh, yes, I'd love to go to the West Indies, Monica pleaded. I'm afraid it would be just Biff this time, their father said. Providing, of course, he added hurriedly, that your mother approves. Well, Martha? Martha Brewster shrugged her shoulders and smiled. She was still torn, but she had great confidence in her son's ability to take care of himself. He had proved this time and time again, and Charles was her favourite brother, reckless though he was. All right, Biff, darling, I might as well give in now as later. I know you and your father won't give me a moment's peace until I do. Mrs. Brewster's statement was met with cheers, led by Ted and Monica. Biff crossed the room and put his arm round his mother's shoulders. She pressed her head against her strong son's chest. The conference in the Brewster home in Indianapolis, Indiana, came to an end. Sunday morning at ten o'clock found the Brewster family at the Indianapolis airport. Flight 129, southbound from Miami, had already been called. The last hasty farewells were said, and ten minutes later the plane speeding, Biff Southwood became a mere speck in the sky to his mother and father and the twins. The plane zooming Biff to another adventure landed at the Miami airport in the late afternoon. Coming in over the city of fabulous hotels, 
America's playground. Biff could see the lingering rays of the setting sun slanting out over the bouncing waters of the Atlantic Ocean. From Carib Airways, Biff learned that the flight which was to take him to Curaco was not scheduled to depart until midnight. After a dinner of delicious stone crabs, Biff wandered up and down Lincoln Road, the famed shopping centre in Miami Beach, gazing into the windows of the shops which lined the streets. He left Lincoln Road and swung on to Collins Avenue. One hotel after another, each in turn seeming more luxurious than its predecessor, lined the east side of the avenue, between the street and the white, sandy beach. The night air was warm and gentle in contrast to the cold, blustery March winds Biff had left behind him in Indianapolis. Biff returned to the airport shortly after eleven, reclaimed his baggage, which he had checked, and waited for his flight to Curacho to be called. The call came just ten minutes before midnight. Cabrib Airways announces the departure of Flight 296 for Port-au-Prince, Haiti, Wilmerstadt, Curacho, and Fort de France, Martinique, now loading at gate nine. All aboard, please. Biff joined the line, which was moving slowly through gate nine. He looked carefully about him, as he always did, spotting faces he might run into again. He had learned in the past that it was wise to remember as much about one's fellow passengers as possible. No telling when such knowledge might come in handy. Besides, he found the faces of travelling people interesting. On many long rides he had amused himself by trying to guess where they had come from, where they were going, and why. The line shuffled slowly forward. Flight 296 was filled. There would be no seats for the hopeful standbys. Biff had checked his heavier bag through earlier when he had presented his ticket. Now he carried only a small, light dispatch case. Accidentally, as the person directly in front of him stopped suddenly, Biff's dispatch case swung forward, striking the person on the calf of the leg. Pardon me, Biff said. The person turned around. Startled, Biff stopped quickly. He even backed up a step in his amazement. Am I seeing things? Biff asked himself, giving his head a shake and blinking. Am I asleep? It can't be. It just can't be. The person Biff stared at returned his stare. The same astonishment spread over the face of the boy he had bumped. Biff's own mirror at home couldn't have reflected his image better. He might have been looking at himself. End of chapter 2